turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Now, I am uh, <clears throat> Joshua, chapter 1. That's just before Judges, after Deuteronomy. Recently, the Lord was talking to me, and uh, a combination of some things that happened with Bill Winston at the table privately, that he shared some things with me privately, as well as in the services, obviously, was the, the majority of the impartation that came. And the Lord's been talking to me a, a lot since then. And uh, one of the things he said to me was, I want you to, put a, to train and put an emphasis on uh, in this season right now. Because remember, he said, we're coming up in Bethel. And we've got to come up in some things as a church. Prayer is a very important area that we need to come up, and that's why we're doing prayer school. But something he said to me he, uh, after those meetings with Bill Winston, he said, I want you to, to, do, to put an emphasis on uh, training the human spirit. A lot of people hear the phrase training the human spirit. They don't really know what that means. Can I be frank with you? I don't, I didn't, until I studied it, I didn't really know what it meant either. How can you, how can you train your spirit? It just doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. You know, your spirit, people don't even really know what your spirit is. And they think these uh, feel, it's like it's an ethereal thing. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's out in the clouds somewhere. It's, it's, you know, you can't, you can't touch it. You can't, it's not, it's not, uh, doesn't have substance to it. You can't understand it. You, it's just kind of woo out there. Now, that's what most people think if you talk about spirit. And so I don't understand, I didn't really understand it fully either, but I started to study, this is a long time ago, I started to understand the tangibility of your spirit and how your spirit man, like your brain, like your mind, can be trained. And when you get born again, you get born again where? In your spirit, not your mind, your spirit. That means your spirit can't sin. Do you understand? Your spirit can never do anything wrong. However, your spirit can be strong or weak. Your spirit is perfect and sealed by the blood of Jesus, but you can have a weak spirit, Paul said, or you can have a strong spirit. And that means your spirit man, the real you inside, can vary in its strength levels. It doesn't vary in its righteousness, but it vary your mind and your body and your soul varies greatly in righteousness. Do you understand? Because you can think wrong things and do wrong things and act wrongly. That's why we're on a continual path of righteousness or holiness or consecration. But that's not for my spirit. That's for my soul and my body. But my spirit man can be weak or it can be strong and there's certain and it can be trained. My spirit man can be trained to bring to pass, if I could put it that way, what I say. And so these are deeper things that most people never think about and don't really understand. But the Lord said to me, Do, start teaching on training the human spirit because I want my congregation, he's talking about you, he calls you his congregation. I want my congregation to understand this so that they can grow and develop and so that their joy can be more full. Amen. So, but then he, he said, now, but before you start that, and then I kind of chuckled because they kind of blend into each other. They blend. This message today, even though I'm entitling it a different title, Five Instructions for Success, I'm entitling it something different, but it blends seamlessly into training the human spirit. And so next Sunday is Reverend Sheila, but the following Sunday after that, I'm going to start this mini-series. It's not going to take very long, but I'm going to talk about how to train your human spirit, but it goes very seamlessly from this message into the other. And he said, but I want you to talk about this message first, not just because it blends nicely into the next one. He said, because there's some things that I need, I want you to say in this message. Now, I've preached this before, but there's some elements to this that are a little different that, that, that I'm going to say for the first time in this context today. So have a look at Joshua chapter 1, please, if you would be so kind. Joshua chapter 1. I just want you to know everything is going to be okay. In your life, it's going to be okay. It's going to be better than okay going to be better than okay. Some time ago, we were going through something, and uh, this is years and years ago, and there was a person, Reverend Greg uh, knows the person, uh, in the church, and they, uh, they uh, for lack of a better word, I don't really know how to explain it, but like a, a, an evil spirit of, of delusion came on them, like a deception came on them, and they, they started 
listening to voices, like they're not God's voices, and they started to basically accuse us of having stolen things from them, me personally. I've never stolen anything from anybody in my life, and we would talk to them, and Greg would meet with them, and I would meet them. What are you doing? Where, where is this coming from? But there was like delusion on them. It's like demonic. It was totally demonic. And so they insisted, and then they said, we're going to the newspapers. And so they called the newspaper and were trying to submit an article in a, in a big newspaper against Promise of Life Church, accusing me of stealing from them. And so, you know, I got in the spirit one day and you got to deal with those things in the spirit because they're demonic. I got in the spirit one day and I dealt with that in the spirit in terms of taking authority over that evil spirit that was operating through them. But let me tell you something. If an evil spirit operates through somebody, you can bind the spirit that's driving them, but the person you can't bind, the person can have a wicked, evil, messed up heart and can still want to do wrong and you can't bind them. But in this situation, uh, and, and in those cases, then you have to get a lawyer involved. And then we've done that before, and you have to get that lawyer to threaten that person with a lawsuit that if you open your mouth one more time, we're taking you to court. And we've had to do that many times over the years because the evil spirit driving them is bound, but their wicked, evil heart, nothing to do with the devil, just wants to hurt the church. They hate the church. They hate pastors and they hate the church. And so thank God we have the law on our side in many areas along those kind of situations. But in this case, we didn't have to get the lawyer involved because by dealing with it in the spirit, it kind of muzzled them. That, that spirit was more the driving force behind it more than just their wicked heart or that they were yielding to that evil spirit. So they did something is wrong with their heart, but it kind of calmed down. But, but they, they still, you know, privately would do these kinds of things and say very hurtful things and try to call people in the church and lie. And, uh, and the word of the Lord came to me and he says, now, if they don't stop, they're, one, one of them's going to die. Now that's very rare. That doesn't happen very often. And you got the same word. Greg got the same word by the Holy Ghost. And I warned them. I said, if you don't stop and shut your mouth, the judgment of God's going to fall on you because you're touching my anointing. And within six months, the, the, one of the persons dropped dead. And the other one uh, stopped immediately. <laughs> and uh, the kids stopped immediately. And I've never heard from them since. And neither do I want to. But my point is during that season, it was such a stressful season. And, 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 the, and the lies and the attacks were so hurtful to me because I'm the kind of person that I take, I'm very black and white. So, you know, I'm not that gray in my personality. So when you accuse me of something that I know not, is not true, maybe it, hurt, it affects me more because I'm very black and white. And I know that I haven't done that. And I know that I'm innocent. And I was in the kitchen and I was talking to my wife and that uh, during that difficult time and that evil spirit, I don't know if you remember that story, I'm not going into the story, but that evil spirit, uh, it was standing off there and, and I started to say, maybe I should quit the ministry. That's what I said to her. Maybe I should just quit the ministry because I felt like quitting the ministry. The pressure was so great on my mind. And as soon as I did, that spirit came and stood right here, right here. And I'm talking about pressure like I've never experienced before or since to quit the ministry. It felt like the sound of a train coming to, to, take, to take my mind away. I was going to probably lose my mind. I'm telling you, I know, what, I know when people lose their minds, it's not just their fault. There's demons involved when people go into insane asylums. And I know a little bit, not much, because it's never happened, but I know, I mean, it sounded like a train coming to take my mind. I can't explain that to you other than to say it like that. You were in the kitchen with me. Because I opened the door by saying. I opened the door by saying. Because he wants me to quit. And I started under the pressure saying, well, maybe, I don't know, this stupid stuff, I'm getting angry. You know, when Moses got angry, he struck the rock and he didn't get in the promised land. So you got to be careful. You don't get in the flesh and you don't get angry. But I was, he was angry with the rebellious people. And I was angry with this rebellious family. And you can say wrong things when you get angry. You better, I'm giving you little nuggets. And I opened my mouth too much. And that evil spirit came. He was waiting for the door. I gave him the opportunity. And it felt like I was going to lose my mind. I'll never forget that. I understand now why people go in and say to us, if you don't have Jesus, you cannot stand against that. It is stronger than you. 
and it was so loud and so, do you remember Jenny? I crouched like this. I bent over and I went, ah, I was, because I felt like I was going to lose my mind. That demon was so powerful. And above the noise of the attack, I heard the voice of the Holy Ghost. That's why I know people can't make it without the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you are no, you are no, you cannot stand up to demon power. You are not designed to overcome them other than the name of Jesus. And I heard the Holy Ghost rise up loud above the volume. It sounded like a train coming. It it sounded like like a tornado coming. Above that volume, I heard him say, answer it. He yelled at me, answer it. And so I said out loud, you remember, Jenny, I was crouched over and I had to yell because the sound She couldn't hear it. It was a spiritual noise, but my ears were open to the spiritual realm. And it's just just this huge noise. And I had to lift my voice to get over that noise that I'm hearing, even though it's not in the natural realm. And I said, I bind you in Jesus' name. And the noise stopped. But that spirit was still standing right here. And I said, I rebuke you. I will never quit. You hear me? You've got to be specific. That's right. I said, I'll never quit. I'll never quit. You can't ever make me quit. I'll never quit. In fact, I'm going to go harder and faster than ever before. And, and it started to stand off. And, and there's a lot more, but that's not really what it was about. But you see, the devil used that family not just to hurt, but to get me to quit. You know what I mean? Because I get concerned. Well, what if people are going to believe the lies that they put in the newspaper? What if people are going to, that, that's not true, but what if they believe it? And people generally, they're looking for people to fall. Generally, especially Christian pastors, I mean, they love it. It's catnip to the world when you hear about some pastor abusing somebody or raping somebody or stealing something from somebody. You know, they just eat that stuff up. So anyway, I'm just saying that season was such pressure on me. And, I, and even though I had pushed that thing off and I regained my strength, it was a little while later. We had a, a men's group here at the church. It was a little while later, but the, the, the residue of the feelings the pressure, the demonic pressure had stood off, but I just felt low. I felt tired. I just felt like, Lord, I know it's worth it, so I'm not going to say the wrong thing and open a door again, but Lord, this pastoring thing, my God, if you're not called to it, I don't know why anybody would want to do it. I'd rather go drive a truck. I'd rather go work in the grocery store. I'd rather almost do anything but this, because this comes with such spiritual attack. And I have to learn to be skillful. I'm much more skillful now than I was then. But when you're not skillful, the devil take advantage of you. And so I was just feeling low. I was feeling it wasn't a demonic thing. It's just my soul. You can feel low and not be demons. You just feel sad. You just feel like you're tired. Be very careful because you can make bad decisions when you're in that, in that place. You can make bad decisions and say the wrong thing when you're angry. But you can make very bad decisions and say the wrong things when you're exhausted. You, you got to guard against exhaustion. I'm talking about anybody, ministers, anybody. Exhaustion will cause you to say things that you shouldn't say and feel things that are very, very real. Nobody else feels it, but you feel it. And then you get frustrated because nobody else understands what you're going through. And you try to tell your friend and they're like, well, I don't know. Your life seems pretty good to me. And then you slap them, they slap you. Then they call the cops. Then it's a whole big thing. You know what I'm saying? No. I'm just kidding. But I was pretty low that day and I went into the, I, fe- I still felt like quitting, but I, I wasn't going to say it. I, I learned that lesson. Don't say it. But I felt like it. And I went up into my bedroom and, I, and, I, and there was a men's thing going. This is some time after that experience, but it wasn't that long after. And I had promised that I would be at the men's thing, but that was the last thing I feel like doing is come and talking to a bunch of men that are looking to me for encouragement when I feel like looking at them and saying, would you like to be the pastor of the church? That's the last thing I want. But I gave my word and I have to keep my word. Now I thought I could call in sick. <laughs> so then I thought, can I eat something to make me throw up so I can call in sick? And then I thought, no, that's wrong as well. That's a lie too. So I have to go. But I laid in that bed. This is in our old house years ago. I laid down in that bed. The drapes were closed. And I had about half an hour before I had to leave. And I just flopped down there like a dead fish. And I just, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just telling you something because I'm getting somewhere with this. I'd started, I don't cry very often, but I started to cry. I mean, for me to cry, I got to be pretty darn low. Because usually I laugh at people, I don't cry. Or I laugh at myself, or I laugh at the devil. I just, I'm, I don't normally cry. And I just laid down there, and I just started to cry. I said, Lord, I just, I, I don't know, I'm having a breakdown. I don't know what's going on. 
I just, I can't, I can't, I just don't think I can do this. Lord, I just, I'm trying my best, but the pressure is always there. When I wake up in the morning, it's there. When I go to bed at night, it's there. This pressure is always there on my mind. And I, and I know I have to get skillful, but Lord, I don't know if the time it takes me to get skillful, how am I going to get through the season? I'm just being very transparent with you. I don't go through that very often anymore, but back then the devil took advantage of my ignorance. That's why it's so important where you go to church. That's why it's so important that when you go to church, you listen. Because troubles come. I'm not prophesying, but they come. Jesus himself said, and he's not a, a bad con- confessor, but he said, every day is enough evil. He didn't say blessings. He said evil for itself, which means you're going to face stuff because the devil's in the world. And he hates people that are following the plan of God. And I was on that bed and I was, I was not sobbing, but I was just kind of like whimpering. Do you know what that means? You know, just a lone tear, you know, and then, and then once that tears run its course, then another lone tear starts to come and I'm just kind of whimpering and just feeling sorry for myself, but more than that, just feeling weak. And I didn't see him, but Jesus walked into the room. I know it was Jesus because I've been in services when the doctor, when Jesus walked in the room and there's a certain atmosphere that comes only when Jesus comes. I've had angels walk in the room. They don't bring the same atmosphere. When Patsy Caminetti was here and Jesus walked up that aisle, there's a certain presence that comes. I don't know how to explain it, but it's unique to Jesus and no other being has that presence. I've been in services with Pastor Nancy when Jesus walked in the room. I was at the table with her in Russia when Jesus walked up to the table. And, and he said to her, go to your room. I want to talk to you. Remember that, Jenny? As soon as we felt that presence, I felt that presence. And I thought, oh, my God. And she looked up and she said, we have to go. I have to go. Jesus is here. He wants to talk to me. I felt that presence before she said it. And then he talked with her for two hours in a room. And she wrote the book, The Double Portion Anointing, out of that experience. So I know what that presence feels like. And it's a very unique presence. That presence came into my room. I didn't see him. I wish I had, but he didn't grant me that divinely granted appearance. But he did come because that same presence that I'm familiar with showed up. And I immediately was aware of it. I know where he was standing by the word of knowledge, but I didn't see him. He was about three feet in from my door and he was looking at me and I was lying on the bed and I turned and I said, Lord, I said, Lord, you're here. And he spoke to me and he said five statements. Now, these are the five instructions for success. And when he spoke it to me, it wasn't mental, although my mind accepted it. But something came inside my spirit. It was like he put something inside me when he spoke it. Remember he said, my words are spirit and life. Your words actually are spiritual in nature. When you speak words, you're speaking into the spiritual realm, even though you're in the physical realm. And because your words can be spirit and life, they can also be spirit and death. When you're releasing negative things, you're actually releasing the power of death. I'm not just being excessive on this. I'm telling you the truth. That's why he said, I put before you life and death. Choose life. Well, your words can be life or death. He said, my words, when you're speaking out of your spirit, man, God's words, they are living words that are full of life. And that's the power of God. They are spiritual and they are filled with the power or the life of God. So when God speaks to you, in that case, Jesus spoke to me when he speaks The words are spiritual in nature. Spiritual words go into spirit. They don't go into mind. Your mind can absorb and accept and agree with them. But because his words are spiritual, they go into your spirit. And because they're filled with life, they're filled with power. Power goes into your spirit. And we call that impartation. Are you listening? Now, he knew what I had just gone through. He knew the attack. He knew the pressure. He knew I'm not going to quit. But he knew I felt like I wanted to quit. And I knew that if I let my mind wander a little bit too much uh, as to what my options are, because that's the next step. What are my options? If I quit, what could I do? I have to pay bills. I have to take care of my family. What could I do? Well, I'm going to have to make money somehow. So what am I good at? What could I do? So you see, those are options. You don't let your mind go to the options. But lying on that bed, I want to so badly go to the options to have an escape plan in case it doesn't get better. But you see, that's not faith. Faith is not an escape plan in case it doesn't get better. Faith is it's going to get better. There is no escape plan and there's no way but through. But I'm in, I'm trying to paint your picture. I'm in that mode. I'm that weak. 
I haven't been there, I haven't been there since that day. I've never gone back that low since that day. The devil saw an opportunity and he thought, I'm going to, I'm going to take him out. I better take him out quick because if he keeps sitting under that word, he's going to get stronger. And then, and then I'm not going to be able to access him the way I can access him now because he's ignorant. So he, he took his opportunity to take me out, but it didn't work because of the Holy Ghost and telling me to answer it. And because Jesus walked in the room. <laughs> And he quoted me this scripture. Are you ready? It's 11.33. I'm watching the time. But he quoted me first. He didn't quote it in order. So I'm not going to quote it in order. I'm going to quote the way he quoted it. But he quoted me verse 8. Can you read with me Joshua chapter 1 verse 8? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, or in other words, obey it. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. And he spoke to me and he said, your problem, because I got a lot of problems at that moment, is you not meditating on my word. Now he didn't come in there, Nigel, real gentle and sweet, like the shepherd in the picture with the lone tear holding the lamb. That's not how he came to me. He wasn't angry, but he was forceful. In other words, he was coming to me to say, you don't realize how dangerous waters that you're in, and I'm trying to save your life, boy. I'm telling you, here's the life raft. Now you better take the life raft. He was intense, but kind, if I could put it that way. And he said, you're meditating on the wrong thing. Because that's what I was doing. I was meditating on quitting. I was meditating on my other options. I was meditating on this, that, and the other thing. And he said, meditate on my word. And he, he emphasized that so strong. My brother and sister, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how bad it is, because that was one of the lowest I've ever got in my life. Meditating, turning your attention, turning your gaze, turning your thought life, turning your, the mulling over. Turning it to the scriptures is your only way out in many cases. What you're thinking about is critical because as a man thinks in his heart, so will he be. You will become the meditation of your heart. If you're thinking about how to pay the bills, you'll become worried about bills. If you're thinking about, uh, you know, lustful things, you're going to become a lustful person. If you're thinking about anger and unforgiveness, you're going to become that. What you meditate on is what you become. I was meditating on the wrong thing and he corrected me. I know we all look at Joshua 1.8 like, oh yeah, that's just Joshua 1.8. That's the wrong response. It's not, yeah, just Joshua 1.8 because you heard some preacher preach on it once or twice or 25 times. This scripture is very, very valuable because I want to tell you, what does everybody want in life? They want success. Why do, why do sinners go to Tony Robbins and all the other kinds of people and read all the books? They want success. At the end of the day, we love God because we love God. We're saved. We love God. That's our motive. But after we've got our motive that we love him, we, there's nothing wrong with wanting success. If there was a problem with wanting success, God would not have said, you're going to have good success. God wants us to succeed. All the Old Testament patriarchs succeeded. They succeeded. If you want success, I know this is simple, but you've got to catch the revelation. If you want success... What you think about is going to determine that. And that what you think about continually is called meditation. And your meditation must be, must be, must be on the word. And you've got to train yourself to meditate on the word because life is so busy and it's so distracting. And there's so many things to take your attention. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to fight for this. If you want this in our society, you're going to have to fight for it. When I've been in other countries or any time, I've got nothing on my agenda, but I remember that time in Russia when they wouldn't let me go to the hotel and I was stuck in the bush and all this nonsense and I won't get into that whole story, but I had nothing to do for an entire day because the thing was until the evening, I couldn't go to the hotel. There was no, uh, we're in the middle of the bush in Siberia. There's no, there's no signal. You can't get a signal on your phone. I have no internet. I have no nothing. And I remember that day I just walked around, there were streams, it was a very beautiful area, and I just walked around, and in that environment, it's very easy to meditate. Yeah. 
Because you know why? You've got nothing else to do. What am I going to do? Play with a stick? I tried. It got boring after about 10 minutes. There's not much to do. But in our life, we don't live in the wilds of Siberia. You've got internet connection. You've got jobs. You've got kids. You've got a hundred things to do. And I've noticed when you're extremely busy, it's very difficult to meditate. Meditation takes time and it takes a quietened mind. And in our society, we rarely have that. But I've noticed when you're in, when you're in quieter areas and you're not busy, and you don't have so much on your agenda all the time, it's easier to meditate. But hey, we're not. We live life. So you've got to fight. I'm saying that to say you've got to fight to meditate. I don't have the Siberian wilderness. I don't have oasis every day. I am very busy like you, but I have to still meditate if I'm going to succeed. And I have to fight. I have to fight tooth, nail, and claw to find time. To find time. Can I tell you funny? I'm not even getting to my notes, but that's okay. Uh, It was a clean movie. It was actually a children's movie. But I was somewhere else. I won't say where, but I was somewhere else. I was outside of Canada. I was bored out of my mind. I'm in the hotel. I'm feeling a bit lonely. I got nothing to do. And I thought, I wonder if there's a movie that's clean because I don't go to movies that aren't clean. And it was a children's movie. And I don't really like children's movies, but I was so bored, I went to the children's movie. I was the only person in the theater. I felt like I had a private screen. I put my feet up, and every time I just say, ha, 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 look at that. And I look, there's nobody there. I can yell as much as I want. If I want to burp, I can burp. I can do anything I want, because there's no public there. A private screening for Craig Field. And I'm watching that kid's movie, and I'm bored. I thought this would take my mind off, but I'm more bored watching it than I was in the hotel room. And I heard the Holy Ghost, and I'm not kidding you, I heard the Holy Ghost say, you could have a better use of your time than watching this. And there's nothing wrong with the movie. It's a children's movie. It's innocent. But I heard the voice of God. You could use your time more wisely. You have a better use of your time than watching this. And I stood up. Nobody saw me because I'm the only one there. And I grabbed my phone and I walked right out about halfway through the movie, got in my car, went back to the hotel room, opened my Bible. And I do that, don't get me wrong, I do that. That night I just felt a little bit like I got to do something. I got to have some fun. I got to do, but sometimes even when you feel that, it's not always the right decision to make. And I sat there and I started to feed my spirit with the word. And I'm telling you, I enjoyed that a hundred times more than the Disney movie. Sometimes when I'm I'm saying this for a reason, we're very busy, you have to fight to meditate. Then other times you can feel very bored in the midst of your busyness. Does that make sense? You can have moments where there's nothing on your schedule and you're so used to in that moment, you're like, well, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. I feel like I've got to do something. That's what I felt because you're, you're just used to that schedule. And so even in a moment of quiet, instead of using it wisely, you try to fill it. You got to fight to meditate. I'm giving you encouragement. Your life guaranteed is going to succeed. But I'm not very smart. I don't know if I have the best job. Don't worry about it. That is not the problem. The problem is what you what you think about. If you'll just fight to meditate a bit longer, things will start to turn for you. Things will start to turn for you. Dan Hagen tells of a pastor he he visited and that pastor would go to every conference around the country looking for what was the newest and the greatest and the coolest and he tried to implement it at his church and nothing ever worked and nothing ever worked and nothing ever worked because he's trying to take somebody else's vision for him but he didn't know that. Dad Hagen came into his church. He's telling Dad Hagen at the private dinner table about what he does and Dad Hagen says, why don't you just do what I'm preaching? And in that church he was preaching on the simple power of meditation. And that pastor started to say, well, I guess in my field of, 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 of career is a church, which means if I'm going to succeed, just follow me, it means the church has to succeed. Yeah. Do you understand? Yes. The church has to grow and be blessed if the pastor is going to grow and be blessed. Yeah. So he said, well, Lord, if I was a businessman selling widgets, then I would have to have the widgets be sold in order to be blessed. But in my case, I need a church. And the Lord, you didn't say it didn't work for ministers and it only works for businessmen. And so that pastor said, Brother Hagen, I'm going to try this. And he took a month, three weeks to a month, where he just took 15 minutes a day, just 15 minutes a day. That's not long. 
I'm not saying that's the only amount of time, but that's what he did. And he just took the scriptures and he just meditated. And remember what Randy Greer shared with us when he was here? He just meditated. He closed his eyes and he meditated and he read it and he meditated and he read it. And then he would go about his day. And he, and, and he said, I'm going to stop making all these changes to my, to my church and trying to implement this new idea and implement that new idea. He said, I'm just going to stop everything. And I'm not going to put pressure on the people. I'm just going to meditate on the word. Because if I, if my church, if for me to succeed, the church has to succeed. So he said, I'm just going to do that. And, and Dad Hagen said that within 30 days, they had a massive move of God. In one Sunday, they had more people saved than all the people put together since the church started. The pastor didn't do advertise. He didn't do anything differently. He didn't try to implement new processes or procedures. He just took time every day meditating on the word. And listen, here's the key. He was saying, Father, I'm doing this because I love you. That's my motive. You're my first love. But my second reason beyond loving you is I need to succeed. So I am reading your word and I'm quite frankly expecting you to do whatever you have to do because you said if I would meditate and obey it, I would have good success. You didn't say I had to go to university, but if you lead me, I will. You didn't say I had to do this process. If you lead me, I will. But if you're not leading me, then I expect to succeed simply because I'm meditating. And he did do nothing different. And in one month, his church exploded. Now that shows me something. It's not about all the things people tell you are important. It's about this book in your hand or on your screen. It's about just, I'm trying to encourage you. You can succeed. Now be led by the spirit if he tells you something specific. But if he doesn't tell you something specific, or even if he does, your primary job is to open that book, sit quietly before the Lord every day and say, Father, I'm meditating. And quite frankly, I'm doing it first because I love you. But secondly, I'm doing it because you've promised if I do it, I'd have good success and I'd prosper. And I need my family to succeed. I need finances to succeed. Pastor Craig's building a new building and he's going to need eventually people to sow some money. I want to be one of those people to help pay for that building. Father, maybe I'll just take a whole wing. I'll take all the children's wing and I'll just do the whole thing myself and we can put my name like they do in the hospital and it can be Taylor M. Morris or whatever it is. Uh, what is a J? Joseph. Uh, Taylor J. Morris wing because he, he sold money because God blessed him and he did the whole children's wing. You think I don't mind putting your name up there? Bye, well, buddy, I'll put your name up there in lights. What I'm simply saying is that uh, you have a right to succeed. But the way you get it is not the way that your little ignorant buddies at work tell you. They don't know how to succeed. Hard work will bring a measure of success and you need to work hard. But the leading of the spirit and meditating on the word is what brings success. God said to Dad Hagen, I don't mind my people being rich. If you learn to follow my spirit, I'll make you rich. Following the spirit and meditating on the word are the two key ingredients. How do you follow the spirit more? You train your spirit man. How do you do that? You pray much in the Holy Ghost and you meditate much on the word. I know this is a broken record. I know you're saying, my God, give us something new for once. We want something fresh. Well, I'm telling you, this is in some ways fresh, even though you've heard it many times. I've preached it, Randy's preached it, but I'm telling you, in my lowest moment, Jesus walked in the room and he said, your meditation is wrong. You're thinking wrong. Meditate on my word. You've got to get scriptures. I don't care how you do it. Find a way. Cue cards, written, printed paper on your phone. A reminder. I don't care. But you got to get something and you got to start doing it every day. And do it for your first love first. But there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm also doing it to succeed. Why do you go to university? To succeed. Why do you improve your, yourself with other courses for your job? So you can succeed. Why do you get up in the morning and are faithful so you can succeed? If you think about it, everything in your life is geared toward one thing. You're trying to succeed. But the one thing that God, the creator, tells you to do to succeed, we don't do. But we do what the world tells us to do. And we do that abundantly. They say, you work hard, you'll succeed. Well, God also says that that's not the number one way. He said, meditate. What you meditate on. 
Now, I'm going to get into training your human spirit why this is so important, which I'm not going to do today because I don't have time. But there's reasons why meditation brings success. And we'll talk about that later. But I just want to get this out real quick. I'm almost done. Jesus said to me, number one, you've got to meditate, son. You've got to meditate. You've got to meditate. And Jenny, I have, been a, I have failed in my life like every person in this room. I am not a failure, but I have failed. And so have you. So before you look at me so religiously, you know how I know? Because when the Lord said this to me when I was shaving this morning, <laughs> I love the Holy Ghost. He is, so, he is so interesting. He spoke to me while I was shaving this morning and he said, uh, he quoted me Psalm 119. I didn't know where it was. I had to look it up. It's Psalm 119, 165. Can I just read it to you? While I was shaving, I'm not even thinking about it. Psalm 119, that's a long chapter. I know some preachers that could have written Psalm 119. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Long chapter. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. As I was shaving, Jenny, the Holy Ghost said, just to let you know, son, anybody in your church that's offended means they don't love my word. I said, Lord, are you telling me that because people are offended? He didn't answer me. I hope he's not giving me a hint. (laughs) But I heard him say, just to let you you know, son, anybody that's offended in your church, they don't love my word. If you you are easily offended, you're not meditating on the word. One way I know that you're not meditating on the word is you're prickly. When you meditate on the word, your love walks skyrockets. When you meditate on the word, your faith walks skyrockets. Do you know how I know that a lot of you are meditating on the word? Because you're not financially blessed. I'm serious. If you meditate on the word, you're going to make your life a success. And that includes finances. So when people say, I can't afford this, I can't afford that. I can't afford youth camp. I'm not judging you. I've been there where I can't afford youth camp. I'm simply telling you, it's not a money problem. It's a meditation problem. You don't have the money because you don't meditate. But how does meditating getting me money? Let God figure that side out. Your job is to meditate and build your faith, release your faith with your words. God's job is to bring you the increase. But he can't because you haven't connected the wires. The next time you're offended, just remember, I'm not meditating on the word. Uh, What does the Bible say? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I would not sin against thee. The next time you sin, just remember, you didn't meditate. Next time you look at something inappropriate, men or women, I guess, the next time you cuss, the next time you lie, the next time you lose your temper, it tells you one simple thing, no meditation. No meditation. Because if you hide the word in your heart, which is meditating, to hide the word means you're meditating, you're not sinning. When you're offended, you're not, you're not hiding the word. When you're angry with people, you're not meditating. In fact, every action of the believer that is carnal and fleshly is one simple result. You don't have enough word in you. You don't have enough praying and you don't have enough scripture. If you'll meditate, it'll change you. Change the way you talk. Change the way you think. The next thing he spoke to me was from verse 9. Can you look at verse 9? It's 1154. Relax. We have so much time. We could do a whole teaching on faith and the Antichrist in the time we have left. Faith is something holds for Antichrist is bad. That's all you need to know about him. All right. Joshua chapter 1, Jennifer, and verse 9. Have not, this is the thing that he said to me. Have not I commanded thee? Be, of, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And God, Jesus said to me, the second statement, he said, you're meditating wrong. That's why you're here. He's telling me the root problem and the answer. And then he said, have not I, he emphasized I. This is from verse 9. Have not I asked you to do this? He's talking about the ministry, the church, the whole deal. And what he's really communicating to me by saying that is, this, I authored this boy. You didn't. If you authored it, you're going to fail. But I authored it. When you're in the Philippines and you're feeling whatever you're feeling, remember God authored you to go. And you got to meditate on that fact. What is Romans chapter 8.31? Just to give you some scriptures. Do you even know what Romans 8.31 says? 
Well, let me help you if, you, if, you, if you've forgotten. It's a famous scripture, but let me help you with it. Romans chapter 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? When God says, I have commanded you to do this. I've authored this. I'm backing you. You, 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 better, you, better, you better get all these other thoughts out of your mind because you're talking about God. And when you're under pressure, it's very, very easy. Deuteronomy 31, 16. Just a couple extra scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 16. And the Bible says, <clears throat> is that the right thing, Lord? No, verse 6. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. And it says, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. God, the emphasis is he, not you. He's with you. He said, have I not commanded you? When you're discouraged, no matter what you're facing, remember God has authored what you're doing. And if he's not authored, then change what you're doing and get into what he has authored. But he helped me, Jenny, with that phrase. Uh, what about Isaiah 41.10? Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, and I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Notice how many eyes. The emphasis is on God, not on you. I am with you. I'm going to lift you up. So when you're going through hard times, meditate. When you're going through hard times, remember God is the one who started this thing. He is the author and he's going to finish what he authored. The third thing he said to me, which blessed me, is he said he emphasized now, did I not tell you to do this? Now he's emphasizing I, me, him. Now he's emphasizing me. Because when you're trying to find other options to get out of what God's asked you to do, you're not accepting that he's asked you to do it. Ask somebody else. He said, have not I asked you? Now this is verse six. Can you look at that with me? Joshua, again, we're back in Joshua now. Joshua chapter one, verse six. That's not in the order that it's written, but that's the order he told me. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide. Thou divide. You will divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers. Another translation said, I don't have it here, but another translation, it says, I have assigned you to do the job. I think that's amplified or something like that. We won't look it up for sake of time. But what God is trying to say is, I've asked you to do this. Now, very quickly, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, you need to see something. This is very important. You need to see something. Are you ready? Genesis chapter 1, but Pastor Bill Winston said this to me privately at the table. It really helped me. Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, don't worry about the rest of the verse. That's what I want to focus on. Image and likeness. What does image mean? Image means what you normally think of image meaning is that God does not look like an alien. God looks like you. Your, his image has a head, shoulders, arms, body, feet, hands. That's his image. The human image. He made us in his image. That's why you look like God. When you get there, God doesn't have seven arms. God has, he looks like us. Really, we look like him. We are made in his image. Now, what is likeness? Likeness is not image. Image is that we are in the image of God. We look like him. Likeness is that we act like God. Just remember, the easy way to remember that is likeness is we're like him. We act like him. God speaks. We speak. God is a God of faith. We're people of faith. Do you understand? So what God is saying is, I made you to look like me and I made you to act like me. That's what image and likeness means. I made you look like me and I made you act like me. Now, I'm so used to just the uh, concept of image means that we look, we have head and arms like God does, but there's something deeper than that. There's something deeper than that. And Brother Winston said to me, Pastor Bill Winston at the table, I, I, I wrote down what he said. He said, if you can, if you can get, he said, listen to me. He said, if you, you can get somebody to walk in faith, but... If you can't get them to change the way them, they see themselves, their faith will be hindered. Meaning, 
it's amazing that I've said the whole sermon and when I quote Bill, everyone's like, oh, oh, that's amazing. Oh, yes, that's so good. But I've preached an hour and it's been silent. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. But anyway, uh, I kind of like it, so I'll repeat it just to get the wows and the oars and the... You can get somebody to walk in faith, but if you don't get them to change the way they see themselves or their image, their faith will be hindered. And he said to me, he said, brother, he said, I've, I've seen for years people, they, they know the mechanics of faith and they're saying and confessing and da, 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 and they're, listen to me, they're meditating from one perspective and they're confessing the word that they meditated on and they have faith. But because the image of themselves, see, image is not just that you've got a head and God's got a head, you've got arms and God's got arms. That is a form of image. But another, another deeper level of image is that you have to see the way you actually look, not just with your arms and head and legs, but the way you see yourself inside has to match the way God sees you inside. That's also image. It's not just that you have arms and legs. It's how you see yourself. And he said, I've seen people that believe God and have faith. Listen to me, because he's from Chicago and there's a lot of poor people. And he said, but I've seen people that are using their faith, but because they see themselves as broke black people. Now, he didn't say that. I'm saying that. As, as broke people, as on the wrong side of the tracks people as my family are part of the gangs or we're, 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 we're trash. We've never been to anything. We haven't even finished high school. We have no education. You see, they don't see themselves as worthy of the increase. They see themselves as trash, trailer trash, people call it. He said, when people use faith, but their image of themselves is wrong. The faith will work only to a certain point, but it cannot work fully because you don't see yourself the way God sees you. Now, what's the answer to that? Meditating on scriptures that tell you how God sees you. Not meditating on Judas hung himself. That's scripture, Jesus wept. That's also scripture. That's not the words that you meditate on. There are scriptures that will show you, especially in Christ's reality scriptures, but there's scriptures that will show you how God sees you, how God sees that you are worth being, getting out of your current financial status into another level. How it doesn't matter the color of your skin or your education that he, he sees that you're worthy of being at a higher place in life. You've got to meditate. That will change that mindset. If you meditate on how God sees his image of you, not just that you both have arms and legs but that how he sees you and you meditate on that, you'll see you the way God sees you and you'll say, I have rights. I have rights. Now use your faith with your right image and it will work 100%. Use your faith thinking that you're a loser. It will only work so far. Use your faith with the right image. The sky is the limit. But you got to meditate. Yes. Do you still have a problem because you're black? Come on, Pastor. I'm looking at black folks here. Yes. I'm from South Africa. I'm from apartheid South Africa. I was persecuted fighting for you. My brother-in-law went 19 years with Mandela fighting for you. So this is a very personal issue to me. I hate racism more than I almost hate the devil, although it comes from him. But the problem is our society is divisive. It's divisive. And it's trying to make people, because your skin color is different, it's trying to make you feel either superior or lesser. And you're not better because you're black, and you're not better because you're white, and you're not lesser because you're black, you're not lesser because you're white. And Bill Winston, I didn't know this, but he said the difference between Caucasian and black is one sixteenth on the color spectrum. We are fighting over one sixteenth. If you see yourself as less because you're oriental, because you're white, because everybody keeps telling you you got some privilege or whatever, so now you're demeaning yourself. If you see yourself as less because you're a person of color, of African-American heritage, if you see yourself because you're less because you're from the First Nations, and everybody tells you that you can't make it in life, if you see yourself as less because of your skin color, you'll hinder your faith. 
If you see yourself as that because of your educational standard that you are, you'll, you'll hinder your faith. If you see yourself as less because your parents weren't very respected or educated or were criminals or whatever they did or was, it don't matter. If you see yourself as less because of them, your faith won't work right. It don't matter what color your skin is. It don't matter how old you If you see yourself as less because you're old. Well, I, I, I'm retired. I, I, no, 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 no. You're retired, so you should be a Caleb taking mountains. You can't see yourself as less because somebody told you when you were a kid you were less. Because there's racism in your, where you work and they're not promoting you because you're of the wrong skin color. I'll be honest with you, even the way you look outside, if you're overweight or underweight or whatever your weight is, you can see yourself as less. I'm not justifying bad behavior. I'm simply saying you are not less because you don't have the perfect body, because you don't have the perfect education, because you don't think your skin color is perfect or your hair is not perfect or your complexion is not perfect. All of that is the world system. I am, have rights because of covenant. God chose me because of my covenant. He loves me and I am worthy of the best. And I've got to see myself as God sees me. And if I don't, I've got to meditate on scripture that shows me how God sees me. Not to be arrogant, but I should be able to put my chest out, put my chin up, walk around knowing I'm not afraid of you. I'm not less than you. you your words cannot affect me. Your racism cannot affect me. Your opinions cannot affect me. I know who I am. Now, when I have the right image of myself, the way, not pride, but the way God sees me, my faith will work. Have not I asked you with all your failures, Craig, with all your weaknesses, you're lying on the bed crying like a wimp. And I didn't say that I'm saying that, but I still ask you, you're worthy. You're the right one. You're not a failure, even though you feel like it. Change the way you see yourself. Meditate on the way God sees you. You can't have chips on your shoulder and win in life. Are you listening to me? You can't have chips on your shoulder and win in life. You got to see yourself how God sees you. You've got to love. You've got to love your skin color. You've got to love your heritage. You've got to love the side of the tracks you came from, even though it might not have been the best side. I'm telling you. It's 1209. I got to quit. Number four, he said to me, don't turn to the left or the right. This is verse seven. Let me read it to you. We got to go back to Joshua again. Chapter one. I'm almost done. Bear with me. Joshua one, seven, be thou only be thou strong and courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which my Moses servant, which Moses, my servant commanded thee watch and turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper wherever you go. In other words, don't turn from the law, but, who, but what does he emphasize in this verse different to the other verses that Moses gave you? Yeah. In other words, what you got from spiritual heritage, yeah. the doctrines that you learned from your Moses, it's the word, but it's also the word through Moses. It's not just the word I'm giving you, Joshua. It's the word that I gave you through your spiritual father. Know who your divine connections are. Know who your Moses is and what you learned from them. Don't turn. When you're planted in a church, there will be many obstacles to separate you. And you have to overcome them. You have to know. I'm not reading it for sake of time, but for your notes, Psalm 1-3 talks about if you're planted, you'll prosper. Je- Jeremiah 17-8 says if you're planted and your roots spread out deep, you're going to prosper in your leaf. When everybody else's leaf goes brown, yours will stay green. Amen. Psalm 119, which I already read to you, 165, if you love the word and meditate, you won't be offended. The number one reason people get separated from this church is offense, which means they don't love the word. They don't meditate on the word. What does 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says? I, God says, place you in the body as it pleases me, not as it pleases your gas bill. Not not as it's convenient for you. I placed you in promise of life. Now you fight to stay in my will. 
Are you listening to me? I am your pastor. I'm honored to be your pastor. If you're a fivefold minister, I'm your spiritual father. People in the congregation can call me dad, and that is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that terminology, that phraseology, which we get from Paul and Timothy, is primarily between ministers, spiritual fathers, and spiritual sons in the ministry. But congregation members can still say that if they want, that is not a problem. But it's really a ministerial terminology of spiritual father and dad and all that kind of stuff. Because you're a spiritual son in the ministry. But a congregation member from one perspective is a spiritual son and daughter. But you're sheep of a sheepfold and I'm your shepherd or pastor. That's why you call me pastor primarily. What I'm simply telling you is whether I'm your spiritual father as a minister or your pastor. Or if in Taylor's case I'm both. I'm his pastor and I'm his spiritual father. For most of you, I'm your pastor. If God placed you in this body as it pleased him, you didn't pick this church, he picked the church. You just figured out in your spirit that he picked it by having that peace and that joy and that sense of home. And well, I just, I don't know, this just feels, this feels right to me. That's God picking it and confirming it by the Holy Ghost. He put you in the body as it pleased him, not as it pleased you. Now you fight to stay there. Are you listening to me? This is one of the keys God gave me. He said, you meditate. I have authored this. I've authored you to do this. And now I want you to stay with Pastor Nancy and the other people that I've put in your life. Stay close to them. Don't separate yourself from them because Joshua had to stay with, Moses wasn't physically there. Dr. Dufresne isn't physically here, but he had to stay with what he learned from his spiritual heritage. It is critical to your success that you don't cast off restraint. Unlike me and Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy's here, I stay with her. You stay with me. What, what we teach you here, be careful what you listen to on the internet because there is so much filth and garbage out there and confusion and weeds and thistles. Oliver likes to go outside to do his business, fine. But he also likes to go outside to eat weird things. He's eaten a rat, I've yelled at him. But now he's into eating grass and he'll go and he'll find as many different kinds of grass that he can. And I'm yelling at him, Oliver, get away from the fence. And he just looks at me and he goes back. And he likes the tall ones with the grilly yellow and green blossoming. Oliver! And so he didn't listen and, and, he, and, he, and he come back and he's got white long saliva, which he never has coming out. And it's long, it's hitting the ground. And he's kind of walking weird. I said, what's wrong with you? And I wipe his mouth and looks at me and then, and then he vomits there, then he vomits there. He gets in, he vomits again. He goes to his bed, he vomits outside his bed. I said, I told you not to eat the grass. I come and he's not out of his bed for a while. I go and I said, let me look at you because he hides back when he knows I'm mad at him, he'll hide away. And, and I said, come here, I had to lift it up to look. And his whole face was like a, was puffed out. You could barely see his eyes. And his eyes, you can easily see here. The whole face, poo, puffed up like a, I don't know what you call it, like a puffer fish. And I said, come out here. So I had to turp the thing and push, you know, I had to physically pull him out because he didn't want to come out. He thought I'd be mad at him. And his whole face, so I, I mean, I didn't know. And he's just looking at me and, he, and he's, it just, it's, he's allergic reaction because he eats the wrong grass. It's poisonous. I felt like sapping him, but that's not kind. The Bible says a righteous man is good to his animals. And so I yelled at him. I said, stop eating the grass. I don't know if he understands or not, but I said, stop eating the grass. And he's looking at me with his big puffed up face. And I thought, Lord, what's what I'm going to do with this animal? I'm just going to put him back. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, lay hands on him. I said, I don't want to lay hands on him. He disobeyed. He deserves this. He's reaped a harvest. I put my hands on him and I said, I curse that in Jesus name. Within 30 minutes, it was all gone. And he comes up and he, <laughs> and he went out and I yelled at him. So I, don't you eat that grass again because I'm not using my faith for you. I'm trying to give you a point. You are like Oliver, some of you. I give you the kibble, and because I'm a good pastor, I break the vet's rules, and I give you sausage, I give you chicken, I give you chips, I give that dog anything that dog wants in addition to kibble. I feed you, and I love you, and yet you're still on that stupid internet eating grass. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about the tithe. And I don't know about this. And oh my God, they said this about Pastor Nancy. And oh, Pastor, I don't know about this. Oh my Lord, I'm going to slap you. Stop eating the grasses. They are poisonous. You are going to get a reaction. It's going to cause your heart to get offended. You're going to stumble. You're going to make the devil give you reasons to uproot. 
learn your feeding. Watch what you watch on the internet. Watch what preachers you hear. If you don't hear me talk about him, a good idea is for you not to watch them. You say you're controlling me. You can watch whoever you want. I don't care. I'm just saying I'm very cautious who I drop names on because I don't agree with everything that everybody says. But the ones that I do talk about publicly, you can take it to the bank that you're not going to get messed up with their doctrine. And there's many that you won't get messed up on, but I'm not interested in the many. I'm interested in who is our company and who is God asking us to feed after. Watch the grasses you eat. Help us, Jesus. You're going to have obstacles. Stay with the Moses. And the last thing, and it's the, and it's the last verse, and I'm done. Verse 5, my favorite. There shall no man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I shall be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake. The word fail, Taylor, when you're holding a rope and you lessen your grip, you loosen your grip. That's the word fail. It means to loosen. But forsake means to let go the rope entirely. What God is saying is, I'm not ever going to let you go. But more than that, I won't even lessen my grip on your life. I am going to hold you tight all the days of your life. And if anyone stands against you, they stand against me and they will fall before you. I want you to know that when you're in the right place planted and you're with Jesus and you're in the right church and you're meditating and your heart's right and you're ticking the boxes, you cannot fail. Are you listening to me? People that rise up against you, they will fall. You will not. It's a promise God gave me. Now the verse, and this is the last one, the verse that God gave Isaiah 41, 11, the verse that God gave Lester was this verse, Isaiah 41, 11, and it's very similar, Isaiah 41, 11, and it says here, behold, all they which are incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing and they that strive with you, with thee shall perish. The word in the Hebrew means will be slaughtered. And Dr. Summerall held God to that. And he said, Lord, these people, and a number of times in the new Testament, God said, pronounce judgment and they died. They were trying to hinder him, kill him, stop him. 31 people have withstood David Hogan. 31 people have tried to kill him, destroy his ministry. 31 times God has said, lift up thy voice. You can't do it without God. Lift up thy voice and pronounce judgment. And he would say, I curse you in the name of Jesus. I would not want to be you. And 31 people have dropped dead in Mexico. It's only happened once with us. That lady died. Because she tried to hurt this anointing. This is a serious thing. I'm not trying to make anybody afraid. I'm simply saying, I know who I am with God. And if I know who I am, Blair, you need to know who you are because you're part of me. You're part of this anointing. And this word was written to you just like it was written to me. Jesus might have come in and told me this word very, very clearly with Rhema. But anybody in my church can claim this because they're under this anointing. No man has a right to stand before you. So don't worry if you're at your workplace and you think there's a bit of racism going on. Don't be concerned about it because nothing standing against you can overcome you. You are going to succeed and you're going to rise to the top. It doesn't matter if there's corruption. It doesn't matter if there's racism. It doesn't matter what the conditions are. He said to me, and it applies to anybody in my church. The word applies to every Christian, but he said it to me as Rhema. And I'm telling you as Rhema, no man shall stand before thee all the days of your life. As I was with Dr. Dufresne, I will be with you. As I was Joshua with Moses. When those those Egyptian uh, witch doctors and everybody tried to stop him, my power defended him. <laughs> it don't matter who stands against you. They can't win. So what has he told us? What has he encouraged us? Five instructions. Meditate. God is authored. Who are you to speak against what he's authored in your life? Just believe him. God's asked you to do it. See yourself right. Get the right image of yourself you got to see yourself right. God has asked you to do this, not somebody else. So you do what he's asked you to do. Praise God. It's important that we remember these things. God has asked you, Mary Chris, to do this, not somebody else, you. Praise God. Don't leave your feeding place. Don't leave your Moses. Don't turn to the right or the left. Overcome the obstacles of separation. And lastly, no man, 
No man, no situation, no circumstance, no office environment, no plague, no demon, no power in this world or that to come that stands against you will, will cause you to fall. You, they will fall and you will stand and you will move forward. He said, no man will stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with your spiritual father, I will be with you. And I'm telling you that I'm saying that to you. If you want to take it and claim it, I would suggest you do that. But I'm telling you, Jesus told me nobody will be able to stand against me. And I believe that applies to those under my care. Nobody will be able to stand against you. So do these things. But what is the number one? That's why he put it first, because it's most important. Meditate. Meditate. You've got problems. It's a lack of meditation. It's a lack of meditating and praying. Nothing else. It's a lack of meditating and praying. You can succeed. If we meditate, hallelujah. And this is a good segue now into training your human spirit, which we'll talk about not next week, but the week after. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these precious congregation members that on this beautiful summer Sunday morning, they could have been out doing all manner of activities, but they love you more than hobbies. They love you more than sleeping in. They love you more than work. They are here to honor you and to encamp about your word. And I know that you've encouraged them this morning and fed their spirits with the word of God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the joy and the peace that is here in this building. As we dismiss in a minute, as we have a fellowship together, maybe get a coffee. Lord, let them just love each other, encourage each other, have words of encouragement, the simple gift of prophecy, which is edification, exhortation, and comfort. Let them speak words of edification, edification, and exhortation and comfort to each other before they leave. Let them build each other up in the words of faith. And let us have a wonderful afternoon. And Father, we're expecting the Holy Ghost to move tonight because you said the Spirit is moving at promise of life. So Lord, we come for the moving of the Spirit tonight. I bless them and I love them in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen.